0: The last time I opened up my Bible and preached from Acts chapter 4 was a few years ago, and I want to speak from Acts chapter 4. And at the end of that message, I'll never forget, because something marked me as I shared about a story and shared something from this passage, Had a young college student meet me and wait for me at at the exit of the church. And this is what this young man told me. He says, when I came to church this morning, I was an atheist but I'm leaving the service today knowing that God exists. And I asked him, how did you become an atheist? And this is what he told me. He said, I heard a lot of stories from my professors at my university, and I watched a lot of, a lot of things on YouTube proving to me that God doesn't exist. But today, I heard stories about miracles. And, and, and he says, and I realize that I need a miracle in my life. And one God story, listen to me, church, one God story is enough to change an atheist in the next 35 minutes. Just one God story, one told God story can take the locked door of atheism off its hinges and free a young man or a young lady from a dead-end worldview that says God doesn't exist. I wanna just tell you today, I believe God exists and I believe God still works miracles today. So I wanna tell you, from Acts chapter four, I wanna talk to you about the story that started a prayer meeting and shook a house. I wanna talk to you about the story that started a prayer meeting and shook a house. I believe today we have to tell God's stories because because we believe in prayer, because we believe in answer prayer, I want my children to believe that God still answers prayer today. God's stories are really for the next generation to know that God still works miracles. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we get older, and if you don't know it, you are getting older, we must learn to tell the stories of what God has done and is still doing today. We have to tell those stories. I, wanna, I was telling my children a story about a 26-year-old over 100 years ago Um, and I told them about this story last week. I told them that in this, in the context of, I want you to recognize that every time you show up to church, you never know what God can do. You never know what God can do just by showing up to church. The name of the young 26-year-old young man was Evan Roberts. He was the instrument that God used in what was called the Welch Revival that literally spread like wildfire around the world. It was the great outpouring. Tonight, we're going to pray for that fire from heaven to come down, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, that what took place in our country in Los Angeles at Azusa Street all began to originate in Wales from a 26-year-old that was a coal miner, started working in the mines at age 12 and had an experience with God in an early age. I was telling my children, and he prayed every day for 13 years that God would pour out his spirit in Wales every single day. And he said, God spoke to him. Sounds vaguely familiar for what he's doing. He said, God spoke to him in his teens that God wanted to save 100,000 souls just in his country. 100,000 souls. People thought he was crazy for believing for 100,000 souls. I know about that. When I use the word billion, people think I'm out of my mind. But it doesn't matter. He even said, I thought maybe this is too many even to believe. And the part that got me was that Evan Roberts said, place yourself at the Holy Spirit's disposal. You never know when God is going to show up. Always be ready for God. In fact, the verse that he held on listen to this verse. It's a verse right after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus shows up to the 12 disciples. Really, at that time, there were only 10 because Judas has already betrayed him and hung himself. And there's there's only 10 there. One of them is missing. Listen to this. It says in verse 24 of John 20, but Thomas, one of the 12, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. That verse literally brought terror to Evan Roberts. And this is what he said. He said, I will be in God's house because you never know when Jesus is going to show up. I don't want to be like Thomas and Miss and Evan Roberts and and Roberts." showed up to every, it could have been the women's meeting. He was there. It could have been a support group for pregnant mothers. There was mothers of all all pregnant, and Evan would be there. He was at every single thing, because he said, if Jesus shows up, I will not miss it. And it was on a Thursday night with 12 college students in a home Bible study that a young girl named Flory gave her testimony and just simply said, I love the Lord with all my heart. And his biographer writes, it was like an electric shockwave. All of a sudden, it was as if heaven came down and poured out his Holy Spirit amongst these 12 college students. And then all of a sudden, it began to reverberate throughout the entire nation. And it said in less than six months, 100,000 souls came to Christ. In less than six months. Because a young man believed for 100,000 souls... And just showed up in case God came that night. And God did. One observer said this. It says, if it be asked why the fire of God fell on whales, listen to this. He said, the answer is simple. Fire falls where it's likely to catch and spread. Whales provided the necessary kindling wood for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Folks, let me just tell you this. When you pray Tonight and Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, that's kindling wood for the Holy Spirit to move. That's where the fire of God can fall down. See, when you add fasting to prayer, it's like a one-two punch that happens. You could say that prayer without fasting is like a boxer with one arm. And if you take away prayer and all you do is fast, well, that's just dieting. So that's why you have to understand When you put fasting and prayer together, I'm telling you, it's kindling wood for the fire of God to fall, and I believe the Holy Spirit is going to come tonight in a very special way. And I can't wait to tell the stories of what God is doing. Jewish fathers were commanded to tell their children three stories. I want to give them to you. Three stories they were told to tell their children. It was this. You were to tell them about divine protection, you were there to tell them about divine direction and you were to tell them about divine instruction. I'm going to give it to you again. He said, I want you to tell your children, fathers, tell your children about divine protection, divine direction, and divine instruction. It was interesting because he says, your children are going to ask you questions and I want you to give them the, the God view. I want you to tell them the God story of this. So when it comes to divine protection, he says, I want you to tell them about the Passover story in Exodus chapter 12. Listen Listen to what he says. Listen to Exodus 12, 25. It says, when you enter the land the Lord has promised to give to you, you will continue to observe the ceremony. Then your children are gonna ask you, what does this ceremony mean? Talking about the Passover. And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of is- the Israelites in Egypt, and though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. He goes, I want you to tell your children and how God has protected you. Tell the protection, the divine protection. Folks, can I just tell you, I know those stories from the 30 years I've been in Detroit, from the years I've been in Brooklyn, New York, and many of you know those uh, stories even in your, in your own life. How many have seen the divine protection of God over your life? That you being here today is a miracle. You're a miracle. Tell that story. He also says, I want you to tell the stories of divine direction. And he talked about this in the crossing of the Jordan in Joshua chapter 4. Listen to it. Then Joshua said to the Israelites in the future, children will ask, what do these stones mean that they took out of the Jordan? Then you can tell them this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until they were right across, just as he did for the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over, and he did this, so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. What he was saying was, he says, tell your children the stories of divine direction, that you had hurdles and obstacles in your way, and then all of a sudden, as the old, as, as, as the old church mothers used to say, God made a way out of no way. He opened up a river. Just as he opened up the Red Sea, there was no way to get to the other side. But the divine direction of God opened up something that we couldn't open up our own strength. How many have seen God open up doors that there was no way you should have got through those doors? Tell those stories. And then he says divine instruction. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, he talks about the Ten Commandments. This the Word, the Word of God. Listen to what he says. He says, in the future, your children will ask you, what is... What is the meaning of these laws, the decrees, the regulations that your Lord God has told us to command? Why do we do these things that are in the Bible? Why do we do this stuff that's in the, in the word of God? He says, then you must tell them we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing in terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and his people. He brought us up out of Egypt so he could give us this land and sworn to give it to our ancestors. And then he says this, and the Lord our God commanded us to obey these decrees to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done this day. For we will be counted as righteous when we obey the commands that the Lord our God has given to us. Folks, I'm just telling you, there are moments that I wanna tell my kids the story. When I've trusted God and trusted his word, God has always come through. That, 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 that a culture is saying, go this way, but God's word is saying, this is the way, walk in it. And he gives us this word, even as he to- tells them. He says, so he can bless us and preserve our lives. These are the stories, he said, I want you to tell them. Because I believe a people with a godly heritage have a strong sense to where they are going because they see the hand of God. It, gives, it makes sense for the past. It gives us direction for the future. Because what happens is the people without a heritage, without a, without a heritage, are easily persuaded because there is no foundations. There's no solid, there's not a solid part of their past because all, all they have is what's ahead of them. And they tell them, they said, I want the fathers to tell them, I want to just speak to fathers here for just a second. Whether you're a single dad, whether, whether you have a family, it's amazing. I read this. I read a huge problem that we're facing today, and that's this, that the average father talks to their children four and a half minutes per week, per week. What stories can you tell in four and a half minutes? Think about it. They said it's an epidemic that there's no conversations between children and fathers today. That's why they were being told, these Jewish fathers says, tell the story of divine direction tell the story of divine instruction, tell the stories of divine protection. It's it's so important. In fact, if you take four and a half minutes a week, that that translates to 37 seconds a day. A father will talk to a child. 37 seconds. And so what what God has given to us is tell these amazing stories of what God has done. I I don't know about you, but I grew up in an Italian home and And we, my family, told lots of stories, especially around the dinner table. Everybody told stories. I was telling my kids not too long ago. I said, way before there was Craigslist and eBay, there was Friday Night Trash Night on Long Island. I said that was the eBay and the Craigslist when I grew up. I said every bike I. This is when you. This is my. Was my. I walked to school in my barefoot. This was my story in the snow that i would hear from my dad but but every bike that i owned as a kid we would go on friday nights to trash nights in long island to the expensive neighborhoods because they threw out the good bikes and we would get the bikes and that was that's the bikes we grew up with we tell our kids those stories i tell the kids the stories when you, when you grow up and 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 i remember the times we were getting ready to make lunch for school because my dad wasn't going to give us the 75 cents for for the meal, so we had to make lunch, and I remember telling him one time, I'm going, there's mold on the bread. Because that's not mold, that's penicillin. He says, you eat that bread. He said, it'll kill every germ in your body, is what he told me. I don't even know if that's true. I have no idea if that's true. I believe sitting in this church and watching online, we have so many first-generation Christians that you've gotten saved that maybe the only one in your family that's born again. And you need to hear the stories of what God can do. You need to hear the stories from the church fathers and from people around you. That, that there is a challenge for those that are in Times Square Church that have been here for decades to not just sit there, but to tell the stories of God's faithfulness. To tell the stories of what God can do in saving children and saving families and doing a work in people's lives. You know what Godly stories do? They don't just inform, but they inflame the hearts that maybe God can do it for me. When I would hear the stories from Pastor Carter and Pastor Dave, and think about all that God has done, and thinking about all that took place, I was brought back to this Acts 4 passage that I want you to turn to. Because it was a story that started a prayer meeting and started to shake the house, a story of what God is able to do. I wanna read it to you. Peter and John just get out of prison. They showed up, in a sense, at their small group, their connect group, at a house where all these believers are gathered, and they tell the story of what happened to them. And I want you to see what takes place as we get ready for prayer and fasting this week. Because this story of faith begins to unlock faith in the entire group. Listen to this. Verse 23 of Acts 4. When they... Peter and John had been released from prison, they went to their own companions and reported all, that's the story, that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when the people in that house heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, oh Lord, it is you who has made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them The next few verses is their prayer, and this is the way it all ends. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. From a story, they came back, tell them a story. They started praying. The house was shaken at that point. One version says, and upon hearing the story, they all lifted up their voices to God in prayer. What what got this prayer meeting started? What shook the house? What was it that, that people started to feel the power of the Holy Spirit come upon them? What started this prayer meeting? It's interesting that the first church prayer meeting That was started. Jesus commanded them to pray in Acts chapter 1. He says, I want you to go to an upper room and I want you to pray. This was different. The second prayer meeting of the church didn't need a command from Jesus, just a story of faith to inspire them. The first time Jesus goes, you have to pray in the upper room and then the Holy Spirit's going to come. This is different. He didn't say, "Go, go and pray. A story of faith inspired them. When they heard what God has done, all of a sudden, everything began to change. I have to tell you their story. This is probably the way I would have interpreted it. If you were to ask Peter and John, what happened in Acts 3 and 4 that started this prayer meeting, I think their story would have sounded something like this. I think Peter and John said, hey, we were going to a prayer meeting, and you know that guy that's always there asking for money? Well, he was there again. And I could see the, the, the whole house going, that guy's always there. What did you tell them? Well, I told them we didn't have any money, and I could see everybody in the house going, good. He's probably using it for drugs. He said, but then something else came out of my mouth. I didn't expect to say, and I could see them going, well, what did you say, Peter? I said, get up in the name of Jesus and walk. You did not say that. I did. And you don't, we're not going to believe what happened. Well, what happened? He got up started leaping, jumping, and shouting, and praising God. Are you serious? Jumping up and down? Totally. Then what happened next? Well, I, I got so excited, I just started preaching. And you're not going to believe this when I said, who wants to be born again? 5,000 people got saved on that day. 5,000. so the Bible says. Then you're not gonna believe what happened after the altar call. What happened? The police came. Well, what did they do? Locked us up, threw us into jail. You went to jail? Yep. You were just in prison. You're coming home from prison. Yes. Then they took us out of our jail cell and said, Hey, you can't speak in this name anymore. What did you say? You know, it happened again. I got really bold and I said, I said, well, that's not going to happen. We ought to obey God instead of you. You did not tell them. I did. Well, what did they do? They beat us. And then what did you do? I came home to to the connect group to tell you everything that happens and everything that God has done. Who cares about the stripes on our back? A man is walking. 5,000 people are saved. And God did it all that day. I have to read to you. I have to read to you what what the official said to them. Listen to the verses. It said, many of those who heard the message believed and a number of them, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, verse 18, wrong verse. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name. This is what Peter said was told here he says don't you can't speak in this name but Peter and John answered and said whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God you be the judge and then Peter says this for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard we can't stop one of my favorite preachers from the 1980s was a man named Dr. E.V. Hill from Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles And from that passage, he preached the message called the can't help it condition. He said, the leaders in Acts 4 pulled Peter and John aside and said to them, you can't preach anymore in that name. And he said, Peter stood up and said, we have a condition that prohibits us from obeying you. They said, well, what's your condition? He said, it's called the I can't help it condition. He said, leaders, we couldn't help it if we wanted to. We couldn't stop it in spite of your threats because we're not spectators but participators. We don't turn this religious thing on and off. It comes out 24-7. Basically, they said, you'll have to do whatever you want to do and we're going to do whatever we want to do we can't help it is all over us. He said we were with Jesus when he turned the water to wine. We were with him when he yelled into a tomb, Lazarus come forth. We were with him when he gave sight to the blind. So don't tell us to shut up We got evidence on the basis that we got to keep going. And then E.V. Hill said this, the church today needs a big helping of I can't help it. The devil loves for you to be quiet with your amens. He wants a quiet church. But I'm telling you here at Times Square Church, you that are watching online, we need a big dose of I can't help it. I can't help it but tell my friends. I can't help it but say amen. I can't help it, sometimes I just wanna jump up on my feet and say, God is good, I can't help it. If once in a while I gotta shout and just tell God he is worthy of all praise, sometimes I just gotta get up and say, I can't help it. God is good, God is good, God is good, I can't help it. And folks, if you see me getting excited, I can't help it. You can do what you wanna do, but I'm here to tell you, God is good, God is great and he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah! I can't help it. Some of you are visiting going like, he's got a condition. After, after they told that story, the room shook a prayer meeting started and the Holy Spirit filled them all with boldness. Folks, I'm telling you, it wasn't from a command that you got to show up at a prayer meeting. It was because if God did that, then we are going to pray. We want to be filled with them. Listen, I'm not here to command you to show up tonight, but if you want to see what can happen when God shakes a room, when God fills people, what, what are you going to do? You're going to watch more NFL. Who cares? Those men didn't save you. They can't heal you. So go go find out. Go see if the Dallas Cowboys care about your marriage. The Giants don't. Oh, but Pastor Tim, it's Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills. We gotta go to, we gotta say, it's Josh. Let me just tell you something. God bless them all. But let me just tell you something. When I need boldness, When I need healing, when I need a touch from God, I'm telling you, get. Some of you going like, I feel guilty. Good. Show up at the prayer meeting tonight. Let God inspire you to be here. I read an article not too long ago called The Curse of the Selfie Generation. Just look. Just look on a phone. I, I can't believe how many pictures people take of themselves. Seriously, it's amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to me. Look at their no, not now. Look at their phones. Seriously, like, what, what are you doing? And he says, whatever you think the people who are obsessed. This is what they said with taking selfies and posting them. They said this: the problem is not next-gen of millennials. They said adults are doing the same thing. You have 50 and 60-year-old people taking pictures of themselves. And he goes, what's the issue? He said, it's an obsession with self. And he says, what it's also done, and this is what was interesting to me. They said, he called it the dying art of the great conversation. He says, conversations are gone because it's not just selfie pics, but it's selfie conversations. He says, there's an obsession with self that the only story people know today is their own story. they don't know anybody else's story. they don't even take the time to go tell me what's going on. tell me about what god has done. tell me your story. we we know our story, but we never take the time. they said the selfie pics is a condition of a selfish of a selfish generation that just doesn't is not interested. so no one is inspired anymore because there's no there's not a a, a feeling of a faith story that's coming. There's no feeling that. I mean, there's no there's no inspiration that. What did God do for you? What did God do for you? Because all we do is know our story, folks. I'm just telling you. Sitting around you are miracles, miracle stories, and we don't know them because we don't ask them. We don't we don't understand. When, when I think about this, I was we we were I was the the. When I hear certain names. And I just think of of answers to prayer. Just recently I heard I was listening to something on an airline and they were talking about Tennessee and and Nashville. Whenever I hear the name Tennessee, I don't think of Nashville or country music. I think of answered prayer every single time. And I want to tell you why. When I was 19 years old, this is my story on prayer where God shook me. We went to Detroit with David Wilkerson's son, Gary Wilkerson. David Wilkerson asked to go on a missions trip, and it was life-changing for me, and I remember we would spend five hours a day on the streets of Detroit handing out literature, telling people about Jesus, praying for people, but I'm telling you, after about four weeks, nobody became a Christian. I, I, was, I was horrible, horrible, and I just, and I got so desperate for God. I said, God, I, I'm just, I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up and pray each morning for an hour and just cry out to you that, God, you've got to show up on the streets of Detroit you got to save somebody. I can't just be out there. There has to be somebody. And I'll never forget this. The first morning I got up to pray, just showed up. Remember, show up and maybe God will be there. God met me. And the first person I talked to was a 56-year-old man named Ernie Ford. And they all called him Tennessee. For 36 years, since age 20, he was, he's been an alcoholic. His body ravaged, living homeless. And I'll never forget sharing the gospel with this homeless 35-year alcoholic and watching him on that day give his heart to Christ, go to the Teen Challenge program, get filled with the Holy Spirit, get married. God gave him an amazing job, walked with them all the way and had the privilege of doing this man's funeral. And I'm telling you, Every time I hear the name Tennessee, I'm going, prayer works, prayer works. When you cry out to God, prayer works, prayer works. God shows up. So that's why I want to I challenge you. Tell people or ask people for their story or tell people your story. Tell your fathers, tell your children your story. The, the elders in this church, not just those with the title, but those that have been here for years, tell your story. Commit, serve even our 212, our next gen ministries. Be there. Let young people ask you questions. Tell your story. What do you, what do you mean, Pastor Tim, by your story? I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what I mean by your story. Ready for this? It, it's this simple. It goes like this The situation is impossible. I don't have a chance unless God shows up, and God shows up just in time. That's the story. It's impossible. All of a sudden, I don't have a chance, and God shows up just in time. I just want to give you three quick thoughts today because I want you to begin to realize how important sharing the story, the story of God, the story of miracles is important and why it's even going to be important over these next four days, because I think God is going to do it. And here's the first thing I want to tell you. Tell a story, any God story. Just tell a God story to people, whether at your job, because it, it, that's, it's called history, and someone said it best like this. They said, history is really his story. It's what God has done, it's God's activity in people's lives, it's seeing God's fingerprints everywhere. It doesn't even have to be your story, it could be something you've read or heard, or or something you've heard from a pulpit here, or something you've listened to. Tell any God's story and watch it inspire people. I, I was reading, listen to this. I was reading. I was reading about a missionary um, some years ago. His name was John G. Patton, who was in the New Hebrides. It's now called New Guinea. It was a place, when he went there, it was known for headhunters and cannibals. And yet John and his family and his children went to this place. And John wrote in his journal, he said, One night, hostile natives surrounded his mission's headquarters, intent on burning their house and killing them. John Patton, his wife, and the children were all filled with fear and terror, but prayed that night that God would deliver them. And they said, when their house, which was surrounded, when daylight came to their amazement, everybody left. Now listen to this. Soon after, miraculously, the chief of the tribe was converted to Jesus and all of many of the tribesmen. And John Patton asked the chief, what kept him from burning down his house that night? But he said, it was just me and my children and my wife. What stopped you from coming in and killing us all? And this is what the chief said. He said, we want to know who or were all those men you had with you there surrounding the house. The chief said, you had hundreds of men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands so we were afraid to attack the house. At that moment, he realized he will give his angels charge concerning you. He said, on that night, he said, our house was surrounded by, tell that story. Tell the story of God's protection. Tell the story of what God has done. I'm just telling you, you want to, hey, listen, for for next gen, you want to ask some older people some questions, ask them, did you ever see an angel? Ask them if you ever experienced a miracle, ask them if how they became a Christian, ask them what it means to trust God with giving and tithing. Ask them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Learn people's journeys. You wanna hear a story about angels? Ask my wife. She was just saved just just for months and God sent an angel to protect her in one of the worst areas of Detroit. God did that. You wanna know what the story is? Ask her. But I'm just telling you, it's amazing what God can do. Just tell a story. Tell a God story. I'm telling you. All of a sudden, you can unhinge people that are going, does God exist? Does God care? I'm telling you, a story started a prayer meeting and shook a house. Tell a God story. Here's the other thing. Tell your story. Tell your story. You know what your story is called? It's called your testimony. That's what it is. What what, what is the testimony? I, I had a old church mother in Detroit said you want to know what a testimony is it means this no test no testimony that's where the testimony comes from you're in the middle of a test and God shows up testimonies are born out of tough times and here's what's amazing the Bible says these stories have devil defeating ability in them you ready for this here it says they triumphed over him the devil by the blood of the Lamb, here it comes, and by the what? Word of their testimony. I don't, I don't want to miss the last part. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. Testimony is, think about this. Can I, can I just tell you, I, I, with, without, being, with, without being irreverent, testimony is right underneath blood of Jesus. Think of that. Testimony is right underneath the blood of Jesus, where the blood of the Lamb ensures heaven word of your testimony inspires others and not loving your life so much as to shrink back from death that impacts the world that changed the planet if you can get people that have been that have been bought by the blood that are not afraid to share their testimony and don't care about their lives I'm telling you you can change this world a biography always ends with your story what you did but a testimony always ends with what God did Read a biography, and it'll always be, oh, that guy's great. That guy's amazing. I've read so many biographies, and you just at the end of it, it's always like, they did this, they did this, they did this. But when you, read, when you hear a testimony, it's different than a biography. I don't leave their story going, wow, you're awesome. I leave that person going, God is awesome. That's the difference. There are testimonies that are literally amazing that God can do. I have a picture hanging in my office and it's a picture those that know my story. It's a picture of the triple X movie theater in Detroit that we we took over and turned it into a church. The testimony I love to tell how God can redeem a place that that was meant to put people and men in chains and how God can take that place. And all of a sudden, transform it. We even left up the same screen in that place. As people were going like, you put up that defiled screen? Absolutely. We put scriptures on there, songs for people to sing. And men, and I'm telling you, men used to come when we were renovating it into a church. And they thought we were renovating it into a triple X movie theater. They used to come. When did the movies start? We'd say Sundays. 10 and 6. And men that used to come and sit in bondage, now we're getting set free and delivered in that place. But let me tell you what I told, one of my girls asked me, when they were asking me about that theater, I said, the part I want you to look at, I said, you've heard the the story of the church. I said, but I want to tell you another story. And I made them look over to the left. I said, you see those buildings that were connected there? I said, I want to tell you a story. This was my testimony. I said, those buildings that were connected there are no longer there. They said, that was, I said, that was a five-story crack hotel that was connected to our church. And there were some bad drug debts that went awry. And all of a sudden, they came with five cocktail bombs and burned half the block down. And they were coming around to throw the rest of the cocktail bombs through the doors of our church. I said, but on that night, the young lady a prostitute, her name was Kamuchi, that I led to the Lord, stood in front of the doors of the church and said, you're not throwing this at my church. This is my church. And, and that, we, like, like Rahab, that l- woman stood there and saved our church that night like that woman Rahab in the book of Joshua. But here's my favorite part. The entire block burned to the ground, but nothing touched the church. And, there, and, and here's what's crazy. The insurance company, our whole sanctuary was full of smoke because it was connected to it. The entire sanctuary was filled with smoke. The seats, just like this, because it was a theater. And the insurance company came, and they looked at all the smoke and everything, and they said, we're going to give you X amount of thousands of dollars to get rid of all the smoke, the, the, the smoke scent, so you guys can continue on with church. And here's what's amazing. When it all cleared, there was no smell of smoke. There was nothing. We felt like the three Hebrew children that you can smell. And what we did, because that said when they came out of the furnace, not even the smell of smoke was on them. You know what we did? As a testimony to God, I told my daughter, I said, we took that insurance check and sent it back. And this is what we told them. We said, God already took care of the smoke in the sanctuary and did it all for us. That's my story. That's my testimony. That's, I'm telling you, it inspires people. It tells people that God is able. God can do this. As the musicians come, I want to just challenge you. Tell, number one, tell any God story. Encourage people. As we close today, I want you to tell your story. It started a prayer meeting. The, The story of Peter and John stirred the hearts of a house group of people. They started to pray The Holy Spirit came down. And the Bible says the place where they were shook. Shook. It's the power of a testimony. It's the power of a godly story. Let me finish with this. And that's this. It's not just a story, God's story. It's not just your story. But we have to learn to tell the story. The story is the gospel story. It's the story of all stories. It's a story that changes all of our lives. Gospel means good news. It's the good news of Christ. This is the story of stories. This is the one we have to become familiar with, and this is the one we're asking God to give us boldness, to tell this story at all times. What is that story, Pastor Tim? Here's the story. God is in heaven, and God loves man so much that he wants him to live with him forever. But man can't because of the condition and the disease he has. That condition is called sin. Sin, listen to me carefully. Those that are watching online, those that are watching in Italy, and those that are watching right now in Kenya, listen to me. Sin cannot exist in heaven. Sin cannot exist. So now God has a a dilemma. Here's a dilemma. How do I get man to heaven, but he has a condition called sin that can't exist in heaven. You sitting here today, if we have that condition of sin, it cannot coexist in heaven. It's impossible. Let's just be honest. You cannot get to heaven if the sin condition in us is not fixed. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel. God figured out a way to fix the disease in all of us, the condition called sin. Because someone has to die for sin, but instead of the sinner dying, he would send his sinless son to die in our place. And the key is this, when his son would die for us, he goes, here's the miracle. He doesn't stay dead, but he rises from the dead. That's why when you sing that song about resurrection today, my heart began to leap inside of me to realize, when the Son of God died for my sin, God had the plan. He says, when, when, when men kill him, and he dies, Jesus dies for the sin of the world. The good news is he doesn't stay dead in the grave, but he rises. He comes back to life. And all man needs to do is choose God's way to heaven. Let me use, for a moment, a story to help you understand the story. Let me say that again. Let me use a story to help you understand the story of the gospel. Because you and I need help to get to heaven. We need someone who has access to the Father in order to get there. At the very end of the Civil War, I was reading the story of a dejected Confederate soldier who was sitting outside the grounds of the White House. A young boy approached him and said why he was so sad, and the soldier told him. He said he had repeatedly tried to see President Lincoln after the war. This was at a time, folks, that doesn't exist anymore, that you could literally go to D.C. and set up an appointment with the president. That doesn't happen anymore. He said he wanted to tell the president that his farm in the south was unfairly taken away by the federal soldiers. But each time he tried to enter the White House, he said the guards crossed their bayoneted guns in front of the door and turned him away. Every time he tried to go see the president. The boy motioned to the soldier to follow him. And the soldier was dumbfounded, said when The boy holding the hand of this Confederate soldier came to the guarded entrance. All of a sudden, the soldiers came to attention and the guns went up and they stepped back. When he came to the door of the White House, the doors opened up. When he proceeded to the library where the president was resting, there was no problem for him to open up the door, walk in and introduce the soldier to his father. It was President Lincoln's son, Tad Lincoln. The soldier gained access to the president through the president's son. Now listen, or let me put it another way. The man didn't have a chance to see the president, but he did have a shot to see the father of Tad Lincoln because he had the son bring him to the father. Folks, listen to me. You want to see God one day? You can't go unless there's the son of God that walks you there step by step and take. You don't have a shot. I will never see God unless Jesus the son goes. You want to see him? Let me take you by the hand. Let me walk you right over into his presence. Let me take you to where you can't get on your own. Let God take, let the Son of God take it to the Father himself. You can't get there. I can't get there. But hallelujah, Jesus can get us there. Jesus is able to get us there. That can happen to you today. Listen to me, friends. Christianity doesn't work without Christ. Heaven is too far, too long, and too hard to get there on your own strength. That's why Jesus came. We couldn't make it to forever without help, and we can't make it in this life without help. Thank God he sent his son for us. That's the story for you today. That's the story that can change. My goodness. Don't run out of here. Don't get a car. Don't get back to your hotel. Don't go. We got to get on that double-decker bus and go see New York in the cold weather. I want you to see heaven. I want you to see heaven. I want you to be ready to see God. Folks, today, online, right here, this is that moment. I want you to stand with me as we get ready to close. is a story that started a prayer meeting and shook a house. Can I just tell you? I believe the story of the gospel can start a prayer meeting in this place. It's a prayer to say, God, come into my life and change me. That the story of the gospel can come right now, whoever you are. Whether you came here by accident, whether someone invited you, whether you asked the hotel concierge, hey, I'd like to go to church or a religious service today, and somehow you showed up here today. Who knows why you're here today? Those that are watching online, it may not even be Sunday. Maybe someone sent you a link of this, and you're watching on Tuesday and Wednesday. Here's the good news. The good news is this. God doesn't just have a one-day job. God doesn't just work on Sundays. God works every single day, every single day. I'm gonna invite you, Jesus calls that relationship with him being born again. Know what being born again is? It's the simplest way. Being born again is Jesus coming and taking you by the hand and saying, let's go to the Father. That's what it is. It's Jesus taking you by the hand. Like I'm holding, like I'm holding Glenn's hand here. It's him going, let's go, we're going to the Father together because you can't get there unless Jesus takes your hands. You can't get there. There's nobody here that can get you. Listen to me. You can't get there on your own, but I'm a Catholic. You can't get there. I'm a tsc God help you. You can't get there being a tsc Go ahead and start mentioning Times Square in heaven. That's not going to get you in. Let me just tell you, But you better get the hand of Jesus to get me in there. He's the only one that can get you there. You can't say I'm a Jew. You can't say I'm a Muslim. You can't say I'm religious. You, can't. you have to say this. John 3.3, no man can see the kingdom of heaven unless they are, what's the word? Born again. Jesus was saying, just as you had a first birth physically, you need a second birth spiritually. And that can happen right now. It's the admission that I have a condition called sin. Believing that I can't fix it myself. is not a promise. Is not a prescription. Is not a program that can fix that condition. But Jesus can fix that today. And finally confessing him as lord and just saying god you're in charge of my life now every head up every eye open looking straight up here those that are watching online this is for you too it's the most important decision you can ever make in your life the most important decision because eternity is at stake here don't walk out with your hands empty walk out holding on to jesus today walk out with your hand in hand in jesus saying i want a relationship with the Son of God today. That can happen right now. I want to pray a born-again prayer. I want to pray a prayer. Everyone that's here in this place, everyone that's watching online, it's the most important thing, most important decision you can make. If you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I want that relationship. I've been trying to get, do all this by myself and I just realized today that the story tells me if I don't have Jesus, I can't get to heaven. I need Christ. And I'm telling you, That can happen right now. Make the greatest decision of your life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, those online, those are in person, say, I don't want to leave this place walking out on my own. I want Christ in my heart. I want a relationship with Jesus. When you pray that prayer, put me in that prayer without any hesitation if that's you and say, I want to be in that prayer right now. Just put your hand up. Say, put me in that prayer right now. Hold it up as high as you can. I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. Keep them up. Look at that. Keep them up. All over this place. Back over there. All over there. All over there. All over there. All over here. I got you in the back there. In the balcony. Yes. All the way over there. Over there. Over there. Over there. Over there. That's fantastic. You can put your hands down. Those that are watching online, you can type the word decided the greatest decision you can make today. It's the story that will change you. Don't leave this place going, I went to church. Leave this place going, I'm walking out a brand new person. And this prayer can not only, listen, this prayer is not only going to begin to change your life, it'll shake your home, it'll shake your worlds. And it can happen right now. Come on, let's all pray this together. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Now say this loud. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.